This week's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to www.audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast today for details. Hey, Mason. I really need a good gift for my generic loved one. Any ideas? Oh, yeah, Andrew. I have the gift they need. If you sign up for GoDaddy's Economy Blogcast Package, you'll receive 1 gig of disk space, 100 gigs of bandwidth, recording tools, and much more. Whoa, with all those features, I'd guess that kind of package will run me at least $20 a month and be plastered with ads. You're wrong, Andrew. The Blogcast Economy Package is just $4.49 a month for 12 months. That's a deal and a perfect way to get your own website, blog, or podcast started. Ooh, yeah, that is a deal. Plus... Enter code Muggle when you check out. Save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Because audiobooks keep us sane. Well, Mikey and Matt sane. This is MuggleCast episode 135 for March 8th, 2008. All right, we are back for another week of MuggleCast. Um, no bleeping this week. I think we're bleeped out for the next about thousand episodes. We are. Aw, yeah. darn. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I was. I know. I know. It was a lot of fun, but yeah. we have to stop now. <laughs> bleeps are so hard to do in the audio editor. I don't know about you, Andrew, but that always upsets me when I have to put bleeps in. It took a couple minutes, but it was worth it because um, everyone everyone loved that episode. Uh, th- that intro. Uh, people are thinking it was our best intro ever. Yeah, except yeah, for one person. One person emailed and said that she was fed up with us. She would never listen again. Oh, really? Yeah. I, lo- I love the people. Yeah, oh. there was one email from... <laughs> yeah, some people like to um, pretend like they're unsubscribing to make us feel bad. But really, hey, if you're not going to listen, whatever. Don't threaten us. Whatever. Hey, I would feel bad if they, you know. I don't because I know they're lying. They'll come back <laughs> next week. They'll be back. I know they'll be back. It's, I don't know. Is it like a tradition now for the show that we gripe about something? No. Oh. No. And it's funny because originally we weren't, uh, I came up with that idea for that intro early in the week and then... I scrapped it last minute, but then I was like, all right, maybe we should do it, because I was afraid too many people were going to take it like we were actually complaining. But we don't complain. I'm dead serious when I say that. We- Andrew, when you when you look on iTunes and discover that we have half the uh, subscriptions we did last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but that's not the case. That's not the okay, case. Cool. Everyone was loving uh, that last week's episode, and I'm confident we have another good episode for everyone today. Uh, we got lots to discuss this week. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. Um, are we going by seniority? Oh, no. Or, I, 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 I usually go last, but that's okay. Mikey likes oh. <laughs> oh, That's what I'm going for, Matt. It's fine. I know. Whatever. It's okay. If you want to go last, that's fine. Matt, no, no, anyway. Anyway. I'm Mikey B. And I'm Matt Britton. <laughs> <laughs>
MuggleCast News Contest winner Edith is standing by in the MuggleCast News Center with past week's top Harry Potter news stories. Hey, Edith. My name is Edith Lerner, and I am very excited to be reading this week's top Harry Potter news stories. Jim Dale, narrator of the U.S. Potter books, will be presenting at HPEF's Portis 2008 this July. Portis representative Aziza Ababutain talks about how excited they are to be hosting him. This will be Jim Dale's first Harry Potter conference. We are all very excited and honored to have a guest so involved in the series be a part of Portis' programming. Mr. Dale is quite the dynamic, accomplished speaker, and we can't wait for Portis to arrive. If you're interested in attending Portis, you must register. Visit Portis2008.org for more information. Don't forget, MuggleCast will also be hosting a podcast at the conference as part of their podcast, Palooza. This is one conference that you'll definitely not want to miss. On March 2nd, WizRockLopedia.com announced the 2008 Wizard Rock People's Choice Award winners. Fans around the world voted for their favorite bands in several categories, such as Best Male-slash-Female Vocals, Best EP, Band of the Year, Best Holiday Song, and Best Album Art. The Lifetime Achievement Award goes to the Whomping Willows. Congratulations to Matt and all of the winners. Rafe Fiennes, the actor who plays Lord Voldemort in the Potter films, has revealed in an interview with Ain't It Cool News that he won't be appearing in the sixth film. When asked whether he is signed for Deathly Hallows, he says, not yet. On ITV's This Morning, Damian Lewis, Helen McCrory's husband, said that Helen is filming her scenes as Narcissa Malfoy this week. Damian said she's extremely excited and is following blogs that are also excited. A newspaper in Norway reports on some scenic filming being done in a small village called Bjorli. The crew is filming shots that will be used outside of the Hogwarts Express. The Telegraph has a short piece about Joe Rowling continuing to write in cafes. I will continue writing for children because that's what I enjoy, reveals Joe, who greatly misses the child wizard. It's left me with the biggest emptiness in my life. She will, however, leave behind the magical world of Hogwarts. I believe that it's good for me and good for my readers that I bring myself to work on something different, she says. In a search for inspiration, Joe discloses that she returned to the Edinburgh cafes where she completed her first novel while unemployed and living on benefits. I'm very good at finding a suitable cafe. I blend into the crowd and, of course, I don't sit in the middle of the bar staring all around me. In 90% of cases, it's the cafe staff who allow me to work without being bothered. That's all the news for this March 8th, 2008. Back to the show. All right, thank you very much, Edith, and great job. Next week, we will have the runner-up to our MuggleCast News Contest, so look forward to that. So we have a couple items of news to discuss this week. Not much going on. Um, one thing, not really worth discussing, but we thought we would mention that Ray Fines in an interview revealed that he will not be in Half-Blood Prince. What? <gasps> uh I have a feeling he'll be back in flashbacks if we're to uh, take what David Yates did in Order of the Phoenix. But, oh, okay. Uh, you mean like stock footage, that sort of thing. Right. Like what they did with Cedric yeah. Diggory without having Robert Pattinson in Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, I, I, not that big of a deal, it's right? Not no, that big of a deal. Deal. he did anything. <laughs> he yeah. wasn't there, so... I forgot Voldemort existed in Half Blood Prince. It was Draco. Yeah, that's true. Well, with all real honesty, he's not really in in the in the whole series that much physically. He's mostly just mentioned. So that's why we that's why we think it's a huge deal, or some of the fans think when he's not going to be in the movie. Well, well, still no. I mean, I I thought that uh, 
if they were going to show the different ages of Voldemort throughout the years and, you know, if we do the pensive lessons with Dumbledore, that sort of thing, I thought it would be cool to have actually Ray Fiennes play a Voldemort from a few years before he underwent the magical transformation. You know, like when he, uh, like, you know, recently, like a younger Voldemort yeah. before he lost his nose. And that would be cool. He would definitely act it out really well. I mean, he's, he's a terrific actor. So that whole dynamic scene with him and and uh, Dumbledore in his but office. then again, Voldemort left school to change his face. So it was pretty early. Yeah. Ray Fiennes isn't that young. He got all that plastic um, surgery. I mean, he's pretty young. He's younger than Alan Rickman, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Ray Alan Rickman's up there in age. 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah age. but it's, yeah. it would still be a stretch to have him play someone in his early 20s. Yeah. 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 No, easily, easily. Well, that's um, why they have cast child Tom Riddle and then also uh, middle-aged or younger Tom Riddle. I mean, around they're the... They're going to have to stretch those, though. Yeah. They're going to have to stretch those actors to, to play like a, between 6 and 11 and then 12 and 18, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Be like Dan Radcliffe right. all over again. No. Yeah. <laughs> Joking. So, I mean, that's about it for that. And then also uh, got a voicemail that sums up our uh, next news item. Hi, my name is Claire and I'm from Illinois. And I was just reading the MuggleNet news, and I thought that it was going to be it's so exciting that um, Jim Dale is going to be at Portis. I was just really like, oh, my God. So um just wanted to say how excited I was about that. Um, anyways, you guys have an awesome show. Keep it up. Pickles. Jim Dale at Portis. I'm really excited about that, too. It should be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? Um, Jim Dale at Portis. That's pretty he's cool. He's the man. Yeah. And what was cool for us was that MuggleNet uh, or Portis gave us the news to break and of course we posted it on MuggleNet uh, Wednesday night and uh, I have to say this is huge for Harry Potter conferences because this is the first time Harry Potter conference has had someone so important in the Harry Potter um, series series yeah yeah no I agree I, I agree, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah totally I actually have all uh, all six of the audiobooks or seven uh, yeah, yeah. very nice. That's what it is. Very nice, Mike. You know, I, well, I, I I forgot. I actually know I have one Stephen Fry, so I have six of his and one Stephen Fry one. So we are. Um, we always we've raved about Jim Dale in the past. Um, I want to play a little sample for you guys now. Now to get a taste, in case you've never heard uh, Jim Dale. A braver man than Vernon Dursley would have quailed under the furious look Hagrid now gave him. When Hagrid spoke, his every syllable trembled with rage. You never told him. Never told him what was in the letter Dumbledore left for him? I was there. I saw Dumbledore leave it, Dursley, and you've kept it from him all these years. Kept what from me? said Harry eagerly. Stop! I forbid you! yelled Uncle Vernon in panic. Aunt Petunia gave a gasp of horror. Ah, go boil your heads, both of you, said Hagrid. Harry, you're a wizard. His voice is just so soothing and uh very british magical I, personally i think uh jim dale does the best part doing all the voices for everyone yeah. like my favorite i ha- i think my ha- favorite has to be the haggard voice he does it's just so like it, I, I there's a point where i listen to all se- uh well but it was before the seventh book was out but i listened to six audiobooks 
And then I decided to watch the movies, and hearing Hagrid in the movie just wasn't right because I was so used to the Hagrid in the, <laughs> in, in the audiobooks. I was like, that's not Hagrid! It, it, seriously, yeah. it, it, he does some amazing work. Robbie voices. Coltrane, you faker, you wannabe. <laughs> Robbie Coltrane, I, I, I think he in... knew great as Hagrid, but, uh, no, but no, honestly, like he does amazing voices for all the characters. Yeah, he yeah. Does. I remember he said in an interview he d- uh, he does over 120 voices or something. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. I have the, I have the whole thing. It's great. He's really talented. Yeah. So Jim Dale will be at Portis 2008, the same conference that we are doing a live MuggleCast at. Woo! And I have to say, most of us are going to be there. It's looking like. Um. So we're going to have a nice big panel. We're going to be doing a nice show. So um, visit Portis2008.org for more information. If you sign up for the full registration, you get to see Jim. He's going to be doing multiple things at Portis. This isn't just like one, one, you know, quick little thing. He's he's doing a lot on Saturday, and um, we're going to be doing the podcast on Friday. So visit Portis 2008. Cool. Register and get involved. If you haven't been to a Harry Potter conference before, they are they're fun. so much fun. They're fun. I've been to three. You're, you're, you're in a Harry Potter fandom world when you go into this hotel. It's crazy. Yeah. Because pretty um, much everybody's at the lobby. If I was a betting man, I would say that uh, this will definitely be the the biggest Potter conference ever in terms of mm-hmm. awesomeness. And speaking of that news, MuggleCast and Portis 2008 are proud to announce that we'll be interviewing Jim Dale, the narrator for the U.S. audiobooks, for an upcoming episode of MuggleCast and Portis Previews. But we need your help! Please send in your questions or queries for Mr. Dale via the MuggleCast hotline. We will select the top five questions and post them to Mr. Dale himself. As a reminder, if you're in the United States, dial one two one eight twenty magic If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-8144-0677. And if you're in Australia, you can dial 02-8003-5668. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast. Please have your questions sent in by March 13th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are all very excited to hear what you have to ask, Mr. Dale, and are looking forward to bringing you this wicked piece of news. As if a normal boy cares what's on the news. We have a few announcements for everyone this week, and we're going to start with a message from Mason, uh, who we talked about last week. He's uh, playing an active role in raising money for the American Cancer Society. Uh, so this is a little message from him. Hey everyone, this is Mason, the guy who does a good ad at the gang of the show. Uh, I got on the show today because I personally wanted to tell you that I appreciate all the donations my Relay for Life team has received so far. And really, I can't explain how much this means to us. At the moment, we've almost raised $1,000 towards cancer research. Uh, cancer is a disease that can affect anyone. And with your help, we can get one step closer to finding a cure. If you'd like to donate, please visit the link in the show notes on MuggleCast.com. The minimum donation is just $5, and I assure you, your contribution will not go unnoticed. Not only will you help out a great cause, I promise to personally thank each and every listener that has donated on a future episode of MuggleCast. Thank you for taking time to listen to me, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Dude, anytime, Mason. We will listen to you anytime. His voice is so soothing. at the beginning of every episode. His so. voice is really soothing. He is. When he's not, yeah, going, no, when he's not doing the GoDaddy ads. When he's not going, <laughs> listen up! He does, he does, he does, he does, Yo, yeah. listeners! You know, it's really soothing, and it kind of makes me want to go, oh, Mason, I'll give you $50 right now. And yeah. so well, I'm should, sure he, he would accept do an that. I know he will, and I'm going to go ahead and donate to that because, you know, it's a good cause, you know? Yeah, yeah. it really yeah. is. I know... I appreciate it, and I'm sure a lot of other people appreciate what he's doing, too. So, listeners, you should definitely donate if you haven't already. Yes. Visit MuggleCast.com. Donate $5. 
uh, there's a minimum donation of five dollars. You can donate more. I donated twenty. I think Matt, you donated twenty. I have. Mm-hmm. I didn't yep. donate fifty. I donated twenty. Lastly, this week. MuggleCast has been doing great on Podcast Alley this month for the month of March. So visit podcast.alley.com and place your vote for us. We're number two right now behind Keith and the Girl. And we're sandwiched, sandwiched in between Keith and the Girl at number one and Keith and the Girl TV at number three. So keep voting for us. Get us up there top one, uh, number one spot. This is MuggleCast March, meaning we have to be number one or uh, something bad happens. So visit podcastalley.com and place your vote for us. It's really easy. Just put in your email address, confirm your email, and boom, you're done. Just like that. Before we get to Muggle Mail this week, we have one email from a listener that concerns a uh, little promotion we're doing this week. Matt, you want to? Sure. This email comes from Melissa, 16, of Pennsylvania. And she writes, Hey, MuggleCast, I heard you guys were reading Twilight, and I myself have become a recent fan. I was just wondering what you thought of it so far. What do you guys think of Bella? Edward. Personally, Bella kind of annoys me. Would you recommend it to other Harry Potter readers? I have. Thanks, guys, for your show is lovely. Melissa. So, a few of us have been reading Twilight. Uh, Laura, mm-hmm. Matt, yes. and I. I am ahead Matt of everybody. Matt finished. I am. You finished? I'm done. The third one? I'm done. I finished today. Until the fourth one comes out. Well, yeah, but that's like three months. Yeah. So, it's a relatively new series, though. Um, it, it's, a, it's a couple mm-hmm. years old. Isn't it? Yeah. It came out in 2005. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's yeah, much that's newer right. than Harry Potter. Yeah. But it's growing quickly in our fandom. and At a uh, rapid rate, too. I mean... Yeah, it's actually oftentimes being called the series that's like, quote-unquote, and, you know, it's kind of a pun here, but eclipsing Harry Potter and all that other stuff. Right. Um, there's, there's a lot of articles like this written about it just because I think so many Harry Potter fans are kind of moving on to new series like Twilight mm-hmm. to kind of right. bridge the gap. And this just seems to be the series that a good portion of the fandom is flocking to at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say moving on because then people are going to be like, oh, you guys are giving up on Harry Potter. People are, you know, looking for new series to read. And I have to say Twilight is very refreshing. Yeah. Um, It's it's very nice to read uh, outside of Harry Potter because honestly, I don't really read anymore except for Harry Potter. And then I started reading this and I was like, this is great. So. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's a very, it's very easy to read. As in, um, it's there's not so much you really have to think of, as in contrast to Harry Potter, where you know the, the series goes very deep and you know interconnects to other things in parallels. But yeah. New Moon, it just it's it's kind of a relaxing read, and for um, a lot of the fans, female uh, fans especially, um, it's it's a romantic novel that has a fantasy. Um, in itself, in it. Um, now, what if I told you guys you could read one of, any of the Twilight series or thirty five thousand other books for free? One of them, though. I would say, dude. Huh? I would say that's too good to be true, Andrew. <laughs> oh no, it's not. Because today's podcast <laughs> is brought to you by Audible dot com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over thirty five thousand titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like MuggleCast, just as easily, including the Twilight series. Log on to audiblepodcast dot com slash MuggleCast to receive your free audiobook. You can choose from any of the thirty five thousand titles, and they have the Twilight series. So if you're looking for a new book to read check out twilight and check it out in a new way to, a way to read it with audiobooks and i have to tell you audiobooks are really handy to read 
Uh, Matt and Mikey have both used audiobooks too. Mikey, you were just listening to Harry Potter right before the show. Uh, yeah, I actually uh, started listening to the two chapters that we had to read for the today's uh, segment because <laughs> did you yeah. finish those by chance? Yeah, well, yeah, I finished them. Uh, it's one of those things where uh, I called Andrew on my way back from work. I was like, "Hey, Andrew, what books am I supposed or what chapters am I supposed to read?" I luckily had uh, the Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows on my iPhone as audiobook, and I started listening to the chapters as I was driving home, and then. Uh, Bingo. I got through it. It's a great way to just kind of catch up and kind of review stuff. Obviously, I've yeah, read yeah. books, so mm-hmm. plus they're great for long drives. So yeah, cross yeah, country drives, having the books on tape, and you know I have quite a few different books on tape, and Harry Potter ones are really good. Yeah, just along with Mikey said, um, I usually when um, I, I have my favorite audio book is actually um, Jim Dale's uh, Sorcerer's Stone. Um, I, I usually listen mm-hmm. to it when I'm coming insomniac. When I don't, when I don't really sleep at night, what I do is I just lay in bed and just turn off the lights and listen to it. And it's just the, the just listening to your, your book on tape. It makes you feel really relaxed and calm, and and then you just kind of just move into your own world. So visit audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. You can get your free audiobook. We would recommend uh, Twilight this week if you want a new series to check out Harry Potter. I'll tell you what, I'm not a big reader, and Twilight, just like the Harry Potter series, got me hooked on reading a book constantly so uh definitely recommend it if you're looking for a new read really i'll have to so check that out <laughs> yeah audiblepodcast.com slash mucklecast get your free get, get it for free mikey all right legally legally get it for free legally what, what is this legally thing <laughs> it means don't, don't steal it mikey what are you talking about? <laughs> anyway, Muggle Mail this week. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like what you guys are implying here at all. Wants to read that first one from Anya. Okay, our first Muggle Mail comes from Anya, twenty-four of New Mexico. She writes, "Just wanted to say I really enjoy listening to you guys. You keep me from going insane in my work cubicle during my night shifts." On to the main event. I just wanted to say that on episode 134, there was a debate about the fact that Dumbledore's views being in agreement with Grindelwald's and how it wasn't originally good. There was also a statement to the effect that he was succumbing to peer pressure due to his infatuation with Grindelwald. What no one has taken into account, even though it's mentioned later on, is that Dumbledore's little sister was attacked by muggles for being a witch, and his father was subsequently thrown in Azkaban for taking his revenge on said muggles. This coupled with the fact that the wizarding community is forced to hide themselves from the rest of the world would cause anyone to question their beliefs concerning muggle rights and other such topics especially considering these things i completely understand dumbledore's point of view on the subject and believe that had ariana not died that day dumbledore may never have questioned that grindelwald's ideas needed to be put into motion yeah no i agree i mean yeah i mean i definitely understand the point you're making but at the same time it kind of goes along with that idea of stereotyping an entire group of people based on what a small number of them did and I think that I think that um, you have to also know that uh, Dumbledore still didn't hate Muggles for you know no matter what they did to his sister or whatever no matter the fact that his father was in jail for mm-hmm. that I think he cared a lot you know when he does uh, when we do find out what happened to Dumbledore's father you know you show that it's kind of understood that his dad did a wrong thing and I think Dumbledore felt that so even though you can see the pattern about how Dumbledore would begin to question Muggles and stuff he was still pure of heart enough to tell Grindelwald. Uh, that, you know, it had to be for the greater good, that sort of thing. And to keep Grindelwald in check as best he could, yeah. he didn't hate muggles uh, despite their attacks. Well, also the the position that Dumbledore was in, having everyone know what his father did. I mean, he, he 
a, a lot of people in that kind of situation would do almost anything to 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 make the family name right again. Well, and actually, um, Dodge in like the second chapter, what which chapter was it where it had uh, the the letter from Dodge to the Daily Prophet, like with mm-hmm. basically the it was called in mem I forget, but anyway, Memoria. um. He he actually said that a lot of people had heard about what happened and assumed that because his father attacked them, that he must feel the same way about muggles. And, like, from the very beginning of his first year, he tried to make that very clear that he didn't think that was acceptable. However, I seem to recall, and I can't remember what chapter this happens in, if it's before this point in the book or if it's after, uh, where we find Dumbledore actually saying something along the lines of... Um, it's our duty to actually be above the muggles so that we can protect them. Yeah, I remember that too. Which I found interesting. It was almost like a superiority complex in terms of thinking that you could actually save them from themselves. Yeah, that's kind of, that kind of reminds me of um, the Golden Compass, of what the Magisterian mm-hmm. tried to um, portray right. yeah. for the kids stealing yeah, their demons. Except they just wanted power. And that's clearly more like Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore actually may have wanted to do. I, I, I keep reminding the remembering the uh, thing Hagrid said to Harry what that uh, that uh, Muggles would want magical solutions for everything if they knew that you know the wizards existed. So yeah, you know I reckon they're better off not knowing. But um, like Dumbledore, like I see a for, for society where Dumbledore would have sort of possibly offered to help Muggles. You know, maybe he felt sorry for them for not having magical ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or something. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he he probably. Oh, never mind. I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> well said, anyway. All the same, it's it's we're yeah. reading. I think a I lot think we made. It. I think we made our point yeah. on that subject. Next email comes from Shauna, age twenty three, of Norfolk, Virginia, and she's talking about Ariana. Hey guys, I love your show and the different discussions you have about the characters, plots, and subplots during chapter by chapter. Yay! As soon as I heard Laura say that the attack on Ariana may have been a sexual one, I had to email you all. I'm a recent graduate with my degree in psychology, and I'm now working with children. The thing with children, and especially girls, is that they're so eager to please everyone because they're learning a lot of new things themselves and want to share it with everyone. When Ariana learned she could do magic, she did not understand that she was supposed to use it or not not use it outside of the house or in front of muggles. When she showed it to them, they probably teased her or said she was a freak or a monster and possibly beat her up. They could have also been scared. With children this young, and especially girls, this would cause her to try and get rid of the offending trait. But as magic is something you're born with, she could not get rid of it. And at moments when she was most excited or angry, it would burst out of her uncontrollably. It's like a child who gets told you're never supposed to get angry, but not told why. When they feel angry, they suppress it and keep moving. But when they're extremely stressed or feel in danger, they do not actually have to be in danger. They go into a complete, seemingly unprovoked rage. This is just my opinion. Keep up the great work. I think it's good that you guys last week and this person, Shayna... Um, sorry, I, I pronounced it Shana. It's Shana. Um, goes into the psychology behind Ariana. I, I like that about you guys last week, and I think it's really interesting stuff um, to talk about because Joe, what wasn't clear in the books exactly what had happened. Yeah, I think that's also a really logical um, like set of reasoning you came up with there. I, I really like that. The only reason I kind of brought up the whole idea of a sexual assault was because she was so vague about it, I wasn't sure if she thought it was something that she didn't need to really tackle in the book because that's really not what the book is about. But at the same time, the book isn't about the psychology of children either. So it's very possible that this could be what happened. 
All right. Well, we are going to take it to chapter by chapter. And uh, this week we're discussing chapters 20 and 21, starting off with chapter 20, Xenophilius Lovegood. It is Xenophilius, right? Yeah, I was going to ask yeah. you. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I, th- I, I always called him Xenophilius. I, I think that's cool. I just called him Mr. Lovegood. It's a crazy name. It's like... Yeah. It's, well, it's a, it's yeah, not exactly know. the most um, normal family either. Yeah. It must have sucked when he was lining up in elementary school. Always being <laughs> in the back of the line. Well, then again, I mean, anything like from Lucius, Sirius, Remus, you know, all that stuff. It's They're not common names yeah, in the J.K. books, true. but they're that's cool. True. They're cool. We accept them because we get so familiar with them. I think that's yeah. – someone should write a paper on that. There's probably an editorial, Muggle, MuggleNet's world-class editorials about the names in the Harry Potter series. Not the significance, but that they're really cool and kind of obscure. Like we don't have a Bob. Yeah, yeah we should we? we should invent like a Harry Potter baby book or something. Well, we do have a Bob Ogden. Harry Sorry. Potter baby book? <laughs> yeah, Potter baby book. That'd be awesome. Uh, I actually – I'm fully behind that. Matt, you and I have to co-author it. Okay. Well, half the whole book's going to be with – U.S. at the very end of the word of, of the name too. Xenophilius, Remus, Sirius. Um, yeah. <laughs> how many can you name? Keep going. Keep going, Matt. Regis, on, you're at four. Phileas, Nigellus. <laughs> Nigellus is the last name. I know, but I had the us in the end. I had to go with something. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't name my baby Nigellus. Tonks. No. Tonks is um, <laughs> so Tonksus. Th- this chapter focuses on uh, Xenophilius and their uh, the trio's meeting with him. Uh, it's sort of a classic, the classic uh, situation where a good guy that you trust turns turns bad uh, when kind he of. calls the you know, ministry. There's so on many. Him. I mean, there's so many gray areas. You find yeah. out why. Yeah, yeah. So Eric, you want to start off with a little quote? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, so very early on in the chapter, uh, Ron's saying, someone's on our side, mate. He's really happy because uh, they've just got back from the forest where they've seen the doe, recovered the sword, that sort of thing. And Ron is really, really feeling good about that. Hermione's still kind of agitated at Ron. But um, what I wanted to talk about, what struck me first, is that uh, there's a bit of celebration, whoop-whooping on Ron's part. But then again, the help that they got um, from the dough and finding the sword helped them destroy the only Horcrux they knew about. So are they actually, as of the beginning of this chapter, do you guys think they're actually in a good situation? Because to be perfectly honest, they destroyed, I mean, yeah, it's good they're one Horcrux down, but that's the only one they have any clue about. So I don't really think they're, they're, you know, in that great situation. I think I think they had reason to celebrate because progress is progress, mm-hmm. and at this point they in were the story, they weren't some. making much progress. So, um, I think it was right. well deserved. Yeah, and and they have to get our, their motives up somehow. You know, yeah. so oh, you're it, right. Yeah. yeah, they're used to stuff happening by accident. I do see what you're saying, though, Eric. It's kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. Oh, talking about yeah. what Matt just said, uh, stuff happening by accident. That is another note later. But um, yeah, that I have. Um, so the second note here is uh, the Voldemort is actually a taboo. What did you guys think when this was explained to you? Do you not think it's really one of those brilliant moments? The, the books where J.K.R. has done something really clever. I think it is. Yeah. It, oh, I agree. I think it is. I think I, I, I'm kind of upset that we don't really find out how they did that. Exactly. That's uh, what yeah. I was going to say. Like, is it a I spell mean, or is it just um, like, like how, how does that work? Too is is it like is it because everyone's a wizard? They're all connected magically somehow. So when ever when a wizard says a name, it like m- takes like a, a a shock or a current through the, the magical world, and they all sense it or something. 
I like that idea, the current idea. It's got to have a range, too. You know, you think, if, is yeah. it like worldwide range, that sort of thing? I mean, then again, the ministry is backing it. So, I mean, you know, you could the ministry, put it in taboo. Yeah, the ministry does everything. Yeah. Well, it's, that's probably where like they, the they probably have like, yeah, like a little center, like with computers or magical things everywhere that just like ring a bell and saying, and then this little little scroll comes out and says Ron Weasley just said Voldemort or something. Yeah, well there's always something about the the spoken word too that has its own sort of magic. That's why you have to do incantations in this mm-hmm. series, you know. I mean, it's yeah. there's something about it and having Voldemort's name be a taboo where they could be able to trace it makes the person traceable as Bill told Ron. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. I was very very happy with this. I mean, there's there's all these little brilliant moments in book 7 that I really do like. Um no matter what my opinions may be on the whole, I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, I well, um, j- j- just to add one more thing to this, um, it probably goes along the line of underage wizardry and how they can track it. Probably, I was going to say that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the wi- I, I think the ministry can track anything, and even if it comes down to, you know, um, well, yeah, look at the flu network; they were tracking that, or the phoenix; they had to go through Umbridge's fireplace. So, I think it. I think it's just that. They have a lot of tracing stuff. They really want to trace yeah, people. It kind of. I think it's necessary though, because with with magic, with you know, I, I talked a few weeks ago about how out of control our world would be with with magic in the real world. But when you think about it, that's probably why all the tracing is in place because you need to have a way to track everyone. Otherwise, can you imagine criminals in in today's society being? You know, we have a hard enough time tracking them down with clues with the ministry being able to track down anyone it's it i think it really enforces the law to a I point i completely agree mm-hmm. with you yeah and our truthfully can... you know you can tell that the ministry is the ones that put the you know the tracker on voldemort's name most likely under the guise of only death eaters would say his name outright right you know what i mean well it yeah, would definitely yeah, be definitely it, it only makes sense you know I mean? too because and, they and only again, did it would this. be the ministry being able to control it with the same type of magic that they use for underage wizards and in fact mm-hmm. i am actually looking at the book right now the whole thing about the taboo that ron says it's one two three three paragraphs long it's very short and it's kind of a brush over but you know there's definitely a lot there that you can think about with and it does have real life implications like andrew was just saying but if you guys think about um if somebody Google searches how to build a bomb, they get flagged or, or, you know, presumably, I mean, there's a way, you know, I mean, libraries, if you guys seen the movie seven, it's, it's very similar where they mentioned that people, you know, check out flag books, things like that. It's just, it's just a way of patrolling and making the world a safer place kind of. Um, but obviously in this case, it's used incorrectly, you know, to, to root out Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Laura, isn't there something in DC or I'm thinking about something, they hmm. have microphones everywhere to track uh not that i, I feel like immediately thinking of i know what you're talking about in the actual washington dc area in the city itself of washington dc there's microphones throughout the entire place and if there's any mention of killing the president it's picked up and flagged instantly because you're nice. in such a close proximity front the only yeah. reason i know this i have never attempted and i do not want to i have <laughs> they found you mikey I, 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 my friend's band they have a song called kill the president and it's completely made up because they were playing in washington dc and sure enough um the cops came because of that song 
It's a bit distasteful. Yeah, but they they said it out loud and said this song's called Kill the President. Has absolutely nothing to do with killing the president, but they had heard the story about it, and so enough they said it out loud with the microphone and everything. And sure enough, people came to see what was going on with this. Well, Andrew, Matt, you guys remember when we were there? How there were little video cameras on a lot of like the street poles and stuff. Remember we passed? It was just bizarre. Well, not only that, when we were when we were in Washington D.C. and around like um. Where were we first? Oh, we went to this uh, the, the Capitol, mm-hmm. and um, there was nobody there. It was like quiet, and I was like freaking out. Like, like, am, am I saying any taboo words? Are the bushes going to come out and all these? No, just but then remember we looked up and there was one little man yeah, <laughs> sitting on yeah. top, yeah. and we were like, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh guys, for a moment I thought Chikizi was going home, but they're just doing the idol brush up. So we haven't found out yet. Um. Anyway, guys, it's just national security. What we were talking about, just other national security. Oh, I know. Things. It's definitely the ministry that's doing it because um, it's never been done before until after. I mean, Voldemort's name never was taboo until after they took over the ministry. Oh yeah, I think I it's think just, we're it, all in it, it was on still that. believed to be jinxed, and that's what I thought too. You know, Ron never wanted him to say the name anyway, and you know, bad luck for whatever. And now it's actually to turn it into a substantial thing, taboo. It's pretty cool stuff. Okay, so um, I wanted to say uh, it was brought up a little bit um, sort of around the midsection of this chapter, chapter 20, that uh, Hermione isn't sure if Grindelwald is alive. Now, Hermione is very well read as far as history goes and stuff, so you'd imagine that she would um, – well, I, I guess this just must be the public – uh, awareness. So as far as the public is aware, Grindelwald may or may not still be alive. I, I guess it's never really concrete exactly what happened to Grindelwald after Dumbledore defeated him. Um, I guess I wanted to tell do you guys think that this is like on Dumbledore's wishes, that Dumbledore just kind of, you know, imprisoned Grindelwald, kept him there? Um, we know Grindelwald was kept alive until Voldemort got to him. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's due to Dumbledore? Do you think um, the reason why Grindelwald's still alive is because Dumbledore's... Um... Made, made sure that he was or something. I would think. I, so. Yeah, I, I it think, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, if you look at what yeah. he did with yeah. the Shrieking Shack, um, he made that he you know he started all those rumors and stuff, so the public would stay away from the Shrieking Shack. I think he would uh, maybe out of love for Grindelwald, you know, now that we now that we know about uh, his relationship or you know care, they're good friends. I think, you know, I mean, but it was always a bit. Uh, what do I want to say? Um, vague because at the in in the uh, witches and wizards card in book 1 you know it says Dumbledore defeated Grindelwald you know defeated him but that doesn't necessarily mean he killed him and he did yeah know, so it's a bit, i mean it it, it wouldn't surprise me if Dumbledore did that just because he's always been very big on the idea that there are things worse than death mm-hmm. you know I, and i i think that imprisoning him in his own prison furthermore is just kind of I don't know. I that would be far worse for me than dying. I think. Yeah, I was gonna say. I I, I agree with that. It, it's it's torture. It's a much longer torture, <laughs> knowing that you're in prison yeah. for life. Well, I personally so. don't think it would be more that things uh, worse than death. Like I agree with Laura that you know, imprisoning is definitely you know, Dumbledore didn't believe in this affinity of death, but it's one of those things where I think it Dumbledore the way he was at least in what I imagine him to be throughout the series of the books is he also at the same thing with. Uh, Voldemort, he always kind of wanted redemption for all of them. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. by not just killing him, by taking part of his own soul by killing, you know, Grindelwald and imprisoning him, having him think about what he's done. And I actually think by the time that, you know, uh, Voldemort kills him, you know, 
that he does understand the errors of his ways, just the few lines that he has um, in the book. You know what I mean? And, you know, when Dumbledore and Voldemort always are fighting, they, he always refers to him as Tom and tries to, you know, redemption. It's one of those things where by killing someone off, there's no chance of redemption at all. And by giving him that second, you know, little chance by being there in prison, um, you know, I think Grindelwald kind of redeemed himself in the sense that he realized he was wrong. So moving along. Yeah. Uh, do you want to take the next one? The sure. Number I would, I'd love to. I'd love to. <laughs> Um, there's a quote in here, I guess it's from Harry, saying, Hermione, we don't need another Godric's Hollow. And, uh, I think that's interesting, and Eric, in our notes here, uh, put, well, how about that, maybe they shouldn't go to Xena's place or Gringotts or Malfoy Manor or Hogwarts if they don't want another GH. I think the reason Joe wrote this in here is so that we know they realize what they're getting into. Does that make well, sense? Well, exactly. Because Harry yeah. is saying, you know, we don't need another unplanned sort of just break in, guns a-blazing, not knowing what we're doing. But my point with writing this note was that, well, then they can – you know, it's one thing to have Harry say this to Hermione. And I was like, yeah, go Harry. You understand about this whole thing. The book is going to get a lot more intelligent, it's, you know, et cetera. But then they ended up doing the same thing. They had another Godric's Hollow four or five times later in the book. Right. Um, but this is what happens in, in the middle of – yeah, in the middle of chaos. I mean, and I don't know what Harry would expect. Yeah, I don't know what he would expect. Like nobody, like, and he realizes it was going to be an extremely dangerous journey. So, well, and with all fairness, point, they do. They technically they did need another Godric's Hollow because even though yeah. they almost died each time they did one of these kind of situations, they got so much more information. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. It wasn't like the whole trip was done in vain. Yeah. Couldn't just Google his answers. They, okay, they didn't have iPhones back then, Andrew. I know, I know. They need I feel iPhones. bad for them. That's what they need in the Wizarding World. Harry Potter would be so much better if everyone had an iPhone. Yeah, oh, in yes. their wand. I don't know how. But... <laughs> just built into their Jeez. wand. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's, it's the eye wand. Yeah. Um, the eye wand. Anyway, next. So next, next note. Next note. Fifth generation eye wand. Eye wand video. Eye wand touch. <laughs> I want I Nano. Awesome. <laughs> I want <laughs> Nano. I want Shuffle. Okay, anyway. Okay. I want, let's move on. Uh, Ron, guys? Yeah, so moving along to Xenophilius. Ron thinks Xenophilius, Xenophilius is on Harry's side because of the Quibbler. There was uh, a lot of good stuff going on pro-Harry in the Quibbler. And, um, you know, they, they trusted him. No, I agree with that yeah. 100%. Ron does think he's mm-hmm. on the right side. With all fairness, though, when he said that, he was only doing it really just to m- make Hermione's... Um, Stop being uh, mad at him. He, well, he, he was, she was trying to make Hermione m- more... Crap. It, I think I think I think Ron said it best. All's fair in love and war. There, and it's a little, and yep. it's a little bit of both. Yeah. And it yeah. is a little bit of both. They're in war, and Ron and Hermione are in love. Just they don't know it yet till like the end. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so during the series, though, I mean, it was always kind of a, a an unwritten rule that Ron is usually wrong unless he's joking, 
And I think it, it, it just struck me that he said that, and it kind of makes sense. You know, Zeno's on our side. He's a good guy. But then to have that surprise, that twist that, you know, Zeno isn't uh, necessarily, you know, I mean, he wants his daughter to be safe, so he's kind of turning against Harry this whole time as they figure that out. It's a, it's a good twist, I thought. It was really an interesting twist at this point in the book because you were looking so forward to having Xenophilius um, be a good guy, and, and, you know, you do find out all that helpful information yeah, it's just an interesting thing to consider because you have to think about it for a second. What would you do if you'd been in his place? Like, I know it sounds like the ideal answer to say, oh, I would stand behind what I'd been saying the whole time. But none of us have children and none of us can really, I guess, grasp the idea like of what the Death Eater said to him. Oh, well, we'll just send a piece of your daughter back for you to bury. Like, I honestly think that a lot more people would turn to desperation to get their child back than would like to admit it. Oh, no. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Like, Definitely. You know, even think about like, you know, someone close to you, like a really close friend or even a parent. Like, mm-hmm. would you really, you know, he, Xenophilia has never met Harry. No. He knows who he is, you know, through word of mouth. It's like protecting, oh, you know, any of these actors that we see in the movies. Like, you know, a perfect example is like Tom Cruise. You know, like he's done some outrageous things, but are you going to like honestly your parents or protect Tom Cruise from people making fun of him or something? That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. You're going to be more what's close to you, your daughter. And I totally understand. And I don't blame Xenophilius for it at all. It's a good theme. It's definitely a good theme to have in the books. What would parents do for their children? You know, it's repeated later when Molly Weasley does it. It's also in other media today, uh, such as Lost. The character of Michael um, did a lot of bad things to get him and his son safely off the island. And, you know, I mean, it was, you know, people view him as a uh, bad character, but he's just a father trying to raise his son. And, you know, similarly with Xenophilius and Luna, it's just, it's a nasty situation. Yeah, and mm-hmm. everyone's kind of in it. So, so we uh, learn about the Deathly Hallows. Yeah, we learn about the Deathly Hallows, and I thought that was cool. Yeah, um, the wand, the whole the story, in the stone, the wand, the book, in the stone. Is this the next chapter yet? Or yeah, we're kind of transitioning into the next chapter. Yeah. Well, I just had two oh, more my of bad. these points. I, I know there's like six them. of them here, but I, I'll just pick out two of them if that's cool. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Um, yeah. Okay. So, final two uh, notes wrapping up. One of them has to do with London. Strangely enough, but first I want to talk about the uh, the Lovegood's house. It, it kind of reminded me of like a missile silo or something. I mean, it's it's described as a uh, you know everything was curved to fit the walls. It's a big circular, like a black cylinder with the moon behind it. Like, what do you guys like? That's a weird. Like, I wouldn't imagine the house to be like this. What do you guys think? Well, it's, it's, it's the Lovegood's house. It's symbolic. Of something. It's supposed to be a little off. Well. Yeah. Uh, oh, but right, I mean, because Ron says doesn't. I mean, this looks like a rook or a castle. Yeah, and it, it does if you look at the the chapter art for that in the U.S. book. But right. I mean, <clears throat> this is like like with the Weasleys' house. There's no there's no ninety degree angles. Right. Everything's on a slant. <laughs> so or and and that that's reflected in the movies. So uh, this will be pretty cool to see. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see it. And with the uh, spiral staircase, the wrought iron spiral staircase leading to, like, all the yeah. upper levels and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be cool to see. Um, okay, so final uh, final note for Chapter 20, Xenophilia's Lovegood. Do you guys remember um, who here was at the Ly- London podcast? That was uh, – Oh, me. 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 Oh, me. God. It, wasn't me. that a fun night? Do you guys uh, – do you guys remember? 
Do you guys remember? Um, we had talked about. I mean, I I think I brought this up or something. During the London podcast, I was talking about Bob Hoskins and how I thought uh, the actor Bob Hoskins should play Slughorn. And we actually had a very awesome uh, audience member um, state that she had heard in an interview with maybe even with Bob Hoskins that he had said that uh, he talked to Joe Rowling about being in a Harry Potter uh, movie and Joe says that she had a role in book seven that would better suit him or that she, you know, she had him in mind for it. Now we didn't know at the time, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, if you guys know, do you guys know Bob Hoskins? He played Smee and hook and no. several yeah. other more notable. Yeah. Movies. Yeah. He yeah. played um, Smee in the movie hook. <laughs> I like that movie. I have it on DVD. I love it too. Me too. <laughs> it's, it's a great movie. Um, yeah. But I, I think that was Xenophilia's love good. So that said, I, I think it's a great, I mean, it's, it's, I, I just, you know, we won't know for sure, but um, I heard that listener say that there was that interview and Bob Hoskins said there might be a role in book seven for him. I think that would be cool if it was in a Zeno Lovegood. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a relatively short man yeah. though too, isn't he? Um, yeah, well, short, and uh, I think he'd play the role. I mean, I, I always thought he'd be a good slughorn, but I, I didn't know Jim Broadbent, so yeah. I didn't, you know, we'll have to see. Well, it's definitely but, um, a, a role that a, um, a high-profile actor could play. So it's it has to be yeah. one of the main characters or the main. I'm character. looking at his IMDb. Yeah, he so am I. Like... He looks like he'd be really good. Yeah, he was also in Made in Manhattan. <laughs> now, of course, he would. He would. Pro- they would probably want to screen test him alongside Ivana Lynch, Ivana. Um, trying to picture those two together would be probably awkward. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't, yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? That was episode 100, by the way, for anyone. You might any new listeners who want to look at the London yeah podcast. episode one hundred and then uh, immediately followed by one on one which I still maintain was one of our coolest live shows yeah. it was our oh, most downloaded so fun. live show and yeah. uh, overall people love that episode because we had it out right after we finished reading we were we were the only podcast to have a, a discussion show out for I think even a couple days I'm just so happy released, we so. did that for book seven that was just like that was the best time I mean mm-hmm. really yeah. was yeah. Um, okay yeah. so moving on. <laughs> We guys, on. We're, we're halfway done already. Wow, this is great. This is, uh, it was only, I think, like 25 minutes or something. That was I, great. I can't believe you skipped your own notes. I'm still in shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm perfectly cool with that. Well, I'm maybe it's, you know, maybe I have other, yeah, other motives. But anyway, uh, <laughs> chapter 21 is the tale of the three brothers. Ah. Hmm. Tale of the three brothers. Now, this, this is... is this is something that Hermione has probably read about five, six times, going over and over and over the book, and she got nothing out of it until Zeno actually tells her the significance of it. So Hermione sits down and reads it to everyone. It's a little story time in the uh, Lovegood household. Too bad Luna isn't around. But um, basically, you go over the story of the three brothers and its implications and also uh, what happens to them afterwards, the escape from the Lovegood's house. Uh, anyone want to take the notes? I, I personally was super excited for this chapter to come. I was like, I wanted to know, what well, yeah. is this they've been talking about? And then, of course, as soon as I get to that chapter, you see the artwork at the top of the chapter. And, right. I, you know, I remember at the times when we were talking about what does this mean? What does that symbol mean? And then, like, mm-hmm. of course, that night we just, like, I see it and I'm like, oh, my gosh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, you know, so now we're finally going to find out what that symbol means. So I was super excited for this chapter, but uh, you guys want to move into some of the notes we have for it? Well, do you, 
Uh, do you remember how Chapter 20 ended, though? It was uh, – Zinio makes a comment like, oh, you're talking about the story that uh, you know sparks the story of the Deathly Hallows. Yeah. And you're so like, referring to the sign of the Deathly Hallows. Yeah, and you're That's just totally like, big, holy flip the page. Moments. Come dun, on. Dun, dun, oh, my God. We're finally going to find out what this book is. You know, I always like the book's namesake, finding what it's about. And so according to Xenophilia's Lovegood, there's nothing dark – about the Hallows. Um, but we hear this story, which is about three brothers who cheat death. And Well, one does. Um, well, remember, remember though, the reason he, that everyone thinks there's something dark about the Hallows is because the symbol of the Deathly Hallows is from a dark – It's misused by a dark wizard. And yeah. so it, it, it's definitely – you know, there's nothing dark about it. And it's a story of – like you were saying. Continue, Eric. Sorry. Oh, three it's brothers. It's like its reputation, death. so to speak. Um, so, so, befo- so to speak. Yeah. So three right. brothers cheat death. But uh, before I get into the second note here, do you? Um, what do you guys want to talk about? Like, as far as the story, like, did you guys like the story? I was, was extremely really- impressed with Joe's storytelling in, in really? uh, of this one. Yeah, I was. No, no. It was amazing. It's just clever. It's just really yeah. clever writing. And it seems like it's one of those fairy tales that you tell your kids too. It seems like yeah. it's, it's an old, um, traditional wizard. Um, th- Folks, fork story. I really want Beetle the Bard. It turns out that the invisibility cloak Harry's had all these years is not, you know, obviously not an ordinary one. It hasn't worn, hasn't done anything. And they find this to be very strange, but according to legend, it's actually Death's invisibility cloak. The, the cloak that Death wore, for, you know, at one point to actually go around and uh, get people. But I just thought this was so interesting that Harry's invisibility cloak is so special and that, you know, the attention's being brought to it now after how many books writing about, you know, the invisibility cloak just being at the bottom of Harry's trunk, you know, and him getting it out to go on these missions. I thought it well, was really I think really that's cool. the whole point. Yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the whole surprise of it. That's just been this cloak that he, that was in his father's possession and then, you know, he just inherited it and then all of a sudden it, it holds a lot more value. I mean, that's that's just the... Joe. Oh, I think it's funny how the whole um, story of how he's um, his ancestor is um, actually the third brother, and the third brother got the invisibility cloak from death so that he could be um, so he could um, escape death without death really watching him. But isn't this whole series about Harry? Being followed by death. death. Yeah. Well, he yeah he escapes death, but he's always followed by it because it's always looking for him. Yeah. And I also found it really interesting that, you know, this was Death's invisibility cloak. And, you know, Ron kind of made that joke about how it got tired of, you know, running at people screaming and whatever. But it's just interesting when you consider how much good Harry has done and how many lives he's actually saved because of the cloak, like especially in Prisoner of Azkaban. Just like saying it really brings sort of a neutrality to to death himself or itself. Really, you know, it, it does. Which is, I guess, one of the underlying themes of the... Yeah, that's about as interesting as death running around naked now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, Harry's done some great with this cloak. But it's great because, like, by the end of the book, we've all read it by now. But it's one of those things where he becomes the master of death because he has all three pieces of the puzzle. Which and, is so cool. And it's just amazing. And, like, when you think about, like, well, why didn't Dumbledore have it? You know, he and, – and we do find out that Dumbledore had all of them in possession at one point, and that's how he hurt his hand. And, you know, that's why he gave, you know, the you know the cloak back to Harry because Harry, you know, deserved yeah, it. It was his family it's, stuff. And it, it, it's one of those things that Harry was the only person that could handle all three. And this cloak is, you know, it, it just it just really brings a lot together. 
everything all together with you know the story is cloak originally have it and you're just like waiting for the pieces to fall into place yeah it's just what what surprised me as well is that this new i mean the the whole master of death thing i mean that's voldemort that's his that's his call sign you know this master of death thing i mean it's been it's been kind of done before we, we you know the sorcerer's stone made people invisible the unicorn blood would keep you alive even if you're an infant death you know we've seen all these things throughout the years all these degrees and quantities of death that voldemort is so into that this is just another one of those things but it's done a little bit differently you know it's done differently than all the other things that that can can keep you you know invincible it's it's kind of you know another cool thing but again i mean it's still with that recurring theme it's completely different but still with that same recurring theme of death and mastering it and you know the loss of loved ones and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. i also thought it was interesting when they were talking about which of the hallows they would have chosen and they all chose something different even though yeah let's talk yeah clearly the moral of the story was you're supposed to choose the cloak because it even talked about how the youngest brother was the most humble and really all he wanted to do was just move on with his life whereas the other two wanted to master something that they really had no place to be they wanted with. to shame death. They wanted to shame death for because they were arrogant. And, you know, you're right. It's a lesson learned, really. I mean, it really is. So, yeah, it's interesting that the trio comes up. They each say something different. They each say something different that of, over which Deathly Hallow they choose. Hermione says she, you know, it's obvious. They all say it's obvious which one we choose. And then they speak at the same time and all say something different. Hermione says the cloak. Ron says the wand. And Harry says the stone. Now, this was another emotional moment when Harry said we could have Sirius back, you know, and all that stuff. But I think it's just, which one would you guys choose, to be perfectly honest? Really? You want to know? Cloak? Yeah. I'd choose the cloak. Like, that's not even a question. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I feel like at the time, the three of them don't, well, especially Harry and Ron, don't really know exactly what the stone and the wand mean. Whereas, yeah. you know, at the end of the book, Harry has the wand, but he says, you know, I really don't need this. I really shouldn't have it. And if I didn't know what each of them did, and if I didn't know that the Resurrection Stone, like, actually wasn't really valid and didn't really bring people back, I would probably pick that. But in terms of knowing what, you know, all three of them are, I'd have to go with Mikey and say the cloak. See, I, personally, even if the resurrection so did bring people back to life and the wand, just which is awesome, I would still choose the cloak. Because can you imagine just being able to go around and be invisible, like a good invisibility <laughs> yeah. cloak? Like just oh, being God. able to go invisible—that's just so much fun. Like <laughs> the rest I, of right. your life, you can yeah. Use like yourself. honestly, can you just imagine the height? Like I would be just like Harry. I'd get into so much like trouble. I'd be doing so many dumb pranks on everybody. Like you, I can just just imagine like the hijinks I would get up to. It'd be so much fun. Yeah. Well, well, if you were in Harry's shoes and you had in possession the um the Elder Wand, would you keep it? Uh, I'd be scared of it. Yeah, I'd be afraid to keep it. It kind of ensures that you have a shorter life, really. I mean, the wand, I mean, it may be an unbeatable wand, but it's certainly not. I mean, look at how many people have owned it. Death stick, blood wand. It's, you know, throughout the centuries, how many people have owned it? I don't think, I mean, it's obviously something that death did that really, I mean, even if you possess the best wand ever, the unbeatable wand, mortality, your own mortality will still get to you. So it's not, it's clearly not the best or wisest of the three hallows to have. 
um, because you can still die. And if you have the most powerful wand, people will be drawn to it to try and take it from you. It's yeah. dangerous. It's because it's, it's always it's always been taken too. It was never passed down because yeah. the, the yeah, possession of the wand was always other. killed. Yeah, it's kind of uh, yeah. You'd be like, like, no, I do not want this. Yeah, and it really it really seems to attract people who. Uh, have this idea that they're invincible if they have if this they have object, it, which could and not you, be further. Yeah, and you see this this guy, the first guy who has it, the oldest Peveril brother. You know, he kills somebody with it, but then later that night, he's passed out drunk, and someone comes and slits his throat and takes it. You know, it's... <laughs> the only person that we know who actually obtained the Elder One that didn't really intend to keep it was um Draco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just because he didn't really know he had it. Yeah, he royally screwed that up. Yeah. <laughs> But he's kicking himself right now, thinking about it too. Let's just talk about well, while they were discussing the Deathly Hollows, and um, m- uh, Mr. Lovegood stepped out. Yeah, isn't this just one of those classic moments where it's like, you know, like like you you'll you'll see this in a movie where someone mysteriously disappears, and all of a sudden they come back, and you realize they're bad. And well, it's a bit know. suspicious, really. I yeah, mean, you know, right. where's Luna? Where's Luna? That sort of thing. And when Harry goes up and sees her bedroom's all dusty, that's the moment, you know. Well, let's let's like... talk about Luna's room a little bit. Weren't you guys like in uh, like like thought that Luna was the cutest thing when you saw yes. all of her friends? I with... like. Uh, they were just entwined adorable. with mural, painted with friends. That was just that was. Some, I mean, some people may think it's creepy, but I think it's absolutely adorable. Well, yeah, once you know Luna, you know what yeah, kind of a person yeah. she is. How innocent mm-hmm. she really is. And, you know, I mean, it was her and Neville who basically, you know, they got the most out of the DA because it was like having friends, you know, to quote. It was just really good. They I, were I just, wanted and accepted. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. They fit. And so I liked, yeah, you're right. Her room was very endearing. And I'm glad that she was okay then. You know, eventually, I want to know why. Um, in the in the chapter in Luna's room, it said that her clothes were gone. Well, you what? take your clothes with you when yeah, you go to she got she got kidnapped from King's Cross. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I yeah okay, that makes sense. Okay, I thought like okay. I sort of think at this point though, the trio should have been a little more concerned every time there's one thing that seems even a little out of uh, the ordinary. Yeah. She's based they on be paranoid. They should yes. have been paranoid from the get-go when this yeah. guy they've never met before suddenly um, tells, you know, is be like, oh, she's just down at the pond. Yeah, wouldn't they be, like, prone to say, like, oh, can we go see her or something? Well, well then yeah. again, right. I mean, this is... Or, the- oh, can you call her up? You know, Like, right. I would feel a little more comfortable to have, you know, th- this person, uh, apparently the father of, of one of our best friends that we have never met before. I, I would kind of like a little more of a warm welcome by our friend who introduces us to her. Yeah. Her, her, her well, mother. you know what's interesting about the way he greeted them or rather didn't greet them was I almost get the impression that he knew he was going to betray them and or, so he, yeah. he was he, he, he was like might. oh I don't think this is a good idea yeah. like he he was kind of trying to ward them off yeah and so exactly. that's, well, that's first he was in shock and he was scared yeah. and then like during the entire time he was just trying to play this out in his head because he was thinking of Luna as soon as he saw Harry yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It, it's it, and that just gives him more, you know, humanity. I think the, the fact that he had first wanted it, wanted them to, war, you know, wanted to ward them off and kind of say, you know, maybe it's better if you don't come in. That sort of thing, you know, because he knew what he'd end up having mm-hmm. to do. So after they look in Luna's room, um, they notice that um, oh, they they start to wonder why Luna's not here, and so um, as soon as uh, 
Xenophilius, his name, he um, walks up with the, the soup or something, and they ask him, you know, where the heck is Luna? And then all of a sudden, the stuff hits the fan. What hit, I thought what this was a great fan? scene. This was a really... This is a scene you could really visualize. Like, I had the whole thing in my head yes. just thanks to Joe's great description. Mm-hmm. Like, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, they just all... The trio just all turned all at once with their hands raised up at him and asking, where's Luna or something? Or, what happened? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the Death Eaters come. And... Yeah. Do, do they torture Mr. Lovegood? Or well, they, they, they you, say really nasty stuff to him, like your daughter. Well, you know, no, they started beating on him. Yeah, because you could hear like a clapping sound every time they asked him a question, and he's just whimpering and ask and pleading with them that Harry is there. Harry's here. He's upstairs. He's upstairs. Yeah. And I, I, I do love at this point. I, I assume the trio. Well, yeah, the trio does hear what what uh, the Death Eaters are saying, and then they just make sure that the Death Eaters see Harry for just a split second, so they don't kill Luna. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was really cool, mm-hmm. and that you've was... got to see what, what um, Homnius Revelium um, actually does. Yeah, if you're there, it kind of yeah. raises you so that you're visible or whatever. Yeah, it kind of has this little aura hovering over you or something. Yeah, the chapter ends with the best title of the chap. The next chapter is the Deathly Hollows. Yeah. You're just like, and you know, we've talked about that's this in a, the past. That's completely um, original, too. I mean, to think she, she would name a chapter the well, Death Eaters. Are there, are there <laughs> self-titled chapters in every book, or aren't there? There's definitely there one are. called the Goblet of Fire. There's, you know, it, but sure is there, there one in yeah. every book? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Is there and, one called the Prisoner of Azkaban? Or you, cause I'm no, I don't. No, th- I don't think so. Well, yeah, I don't think so either. Okay, like, so that's one that there isn't. But there, I thought there was one called Apple Prince or Flight of the Prince. You know that sort of thing. Yeah. So. But just like the self-titled ones, it's interesting to know which books have self-titled chapters. But Yeah. And uh, I remember Joe did reveal on her, I think it was on her official website, she said that uh, one of the rejected titles for this book was Harry Potter and the Elder Wands, which, you know, so she does, and, and that's one of the chapter titles. So, um, you know, I think she yeah. puts those into heavy I like consideration. This one better, yeah, me too. Just because, I mean, even though the Elder Wand played a huge role... Yeah, in the book, and maybe say. I'm biased just because we talked so much about what the Deathly Hallows could be when the title came out, but it just yeah. seems like they played more of a role in the book. Well, all whereas three of them the Elder played. Wand was just yeah, it just seems like altogether they played a bigger role, whereas the Elder Wand on its own was just more of a plot device, really. The invisibility yeah. cloak was definitely the most important. I mean, she even mentioned that in one of the interviews, wasn't it? With Emerson and Melissa saying one of the questions she wished. She, um, it was asked was is there any significance for the invisibility cloak yeah I think you're right what'd she say cool. she, no she didn't well, say no, that she, she told said. them she said you should have asked me this question or that oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you should be asking me this oh Joe you're such a tease she, I just Joe like Elder exactly Wand better I just think I just think it's a lot cooler because it, it just sounds cooler and I mean we are thankful for her calling it Deathly Hollows because because you know, it ended up giving us like four weeks worth of discussion. Yeah. So. Well, it's just a, it's just a more appealing title altogether. The Elder Wand is just more like like the 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 Sorcerer Philosopher's Stone or something. The Deathly Hollows yeah. just seems like more of a an appealing chap uh, title. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Well, I think that does it for um indeed chapter by chapter this week. We got through this fast. Mm-hmm. So let's keep going. It's full speed ahead. Uh, but if but of course, uh, chapter by chapter is never complete unless we have. Quote, 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 quote. 
Holy crap, Andrew, where did you get that? Bill Nye the Science I Guy. I made it. We, 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 dude, <laughs> that is awesome. When did you premiere that? Was last week the first? Last week. Oh, oh you just wait. I got more. I got more coming up. Uh, quick quiz this week. A minute ago, you told us you never saw the mark on the stone properly. I love quote quiz. The easiest segment to prepare <laughs> yeah. for. You should, you, open you, the book, you should kind of be a little sentence. more, you know, into into the the quote, Andrew. Like like what? Jim Dale. You should have like yeah. A different... Do you you should do them in British accents and come up with voices for all the characters. We should play Jim Dale saying it for like better. for like Harry or Ron or for like any guy. You should you should have like a low voice and for like a girl, you should just have your regular voice. <laughs> Matt, you're so mean. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so it's time for voicemails this week. Let's listen to uh, the first one. Hi, this is Keith, 45, from Michigan. Um, bit by bit, you guys seem to be missing some of the uh, the, the salient points. Um, when uh, Harry is watching the pensive, we saw Dumbledore, the portrait of Dumbledore, telling Snape that they had to get the they had to get the sword in a heroic manner. That's why it was thrown into the lake. And then the whole bit with Harry, uh, with Ron. Uh, ready to stab, stab the locket, and the locket saying all those things to him. You know, we didn't know for a second there whether Harry, who was crouched down holding the locket, was the one that got stabbed or the locket got stabbed, and you guys have totally blew over that. So uh, there's a lot of these little points I think you guys are missing on your bit by bit. I don't know if you're just trying to get through it fast, but but uh, I guess all I can say is read the book again. I do enjoy the show. Keep it up. Bye. Dude, it's not. First of all, dude. Oh, oh, our you segment is go? not bit by bit. Uh, if you want by bit, 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 bit by cap, if you want bit by bit, you can tune into another Harry Potter podcast that uh, uh, came up with that original name for their segment where they analyze parts of Deathly Hallows. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> You're on chapter by chapter. And, yeah, mm-hmm. chapter by chapter. I'm still ticked uh, off with Snape, all, though. I'm, I'm serious. I don't, what? I'm still ticked off that, that Snape threw that sword in the middle of the lake when he could have just put Well, it. listen, we did talk about that. I, I said that you had to be a true Gryffindor to hop in there. Well, you I had mean, to that, that includes Gryffindor being to get out of the tent, too. Right. Okay. I don't care. I'm st- You're just angry. It's all <sighs> right. Just, just, just don't... Just, um, just, just but go. in terms of the this, uh, whether we're not... We don't know whether or not Harry was being stabbed. I mean, I didn't think that was very important no. to discuss. No. We really only talk about anything that has real discussion length important. Well, words. yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, we we try to talk about things that are Yeah, that, that because I mean, discussion. and sometimes we have trouble with this when we're picking stuff out of the chapters cuz some stuff is just so cool and you just want to bring it up and be like this is really cool or this was an amazing bit of writing right here, but then there's nothing else you can say about it except for that. Very good. So I then think, and, that's, and, that's perfect. and right now like a perfect example right now we've been recording for an hour and 40 minutes. So we try to get through it because yeah. we have to keep the shows to a manageable well, length. Well, it shouldn't be. I mean, basically dude, our bad. No. What are we trying to say here? Because there's no. I, I just wanted to dr- address his concerns, yeah. and and we do actually read the books. I listen to them again just to make sure I'm. Awesome. Yeah, dude, I know. I mean, reading like... them again wouldn't have done anything. We're just you know we pick out things when we read it, and we do read it thoroughly. We're not like skimming it or reading spark notes. But all the like, same, that's actually... the purpose of voicemails. Thank you for contributing those two additional. Thank you points. for your concern. Next voicemail. Hi, um, this is Sophia, your 10-year-old fan from Seattle, and I was just um, wondering, why don't you come for, um, to Seattle for like a tour or something, because it seems like you never come here. Um, thanks, Pickles. 
Aw, she's cute. She said pickles. That's why I put that voicemail in. Um, I know Matt's kind of excited, and I, I think we've discussed this briefly with Mikey. We're, we're tossing around the idea of possibly doing some sort of West Coast tour with the Remus Lupins at the end of August. Or in, in August. Yeah. I think it's I think it's mid-August, yeah. It's in August. So I don't, nothing's official yet, but Alex is down for something. Alex and the band are down for something. And we're down for something. So uh, we'll see. You know what? I think I think if we do like a West Coast tour, we should have them as, on the panel Who? also. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. Well, yeah if they want to. They've all read the yeah. book. Well, it's probably going to be like a podcast slash I, uh, concert like last year. Yeah. But, right, but, exactly. but, that, but last time it was like the podcast then the concert. We should just do it like all like mixed together because, you know, we were, I think me and Andrew. Like a, like a podcast and yeah. a concert at the same time? Yeah, well, not like that completely, <laughs> but uh, but you know, I, I personally think Andrew and me did a great job when we were singing with the Remus Lupins, so uh, we could do maybe a big thing. Hi guys, it's Chelsea from Canberra. Just want to say I love the show. What do you think of the rumors that have been going around for a few years now that Harry Potter's going to hit Broadway? Love the show, and Laura, keep up the good work. I know you don't like hate Ron like everyone thinks you do. Love you. Oh, thank you. Uh, Harry Potter musical. Uh, this that rumors were flying around a while so ago, but levels. I mean, you know, now that I think about it, anything's possible. Yeah, it's Very true. Tough. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie, but I think it would yeah. be kind of silly. I, I'm kind of silly to have one. No, I'm with Laura. Silly to have one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just yes. the whole premise of it, because it's the the thing. I mean, musicals after the, the ball whole, of the Lord wait, of the Rings wait, on wait. on Broadway too. Wait, can I can I get, can I give you a sample to like give you an idea of what it could be like? Oh God! You play hairspray, I will kill you. Okay. Hey, hey, come on, come on, Angela, let's hear it. Good morning, Hogwarts school. Every day's like an open door. Every night is a fantasy. Every sounds like a symphony. Good morning, Hogwarts okay, school. You're and done. Please when stop. I take out my oh, wand, wow. the world's wow. gonna wake up Andrew. and see Jenny Weasley and me. Andrew. Okay. Oh, Let me just geez. say something. I think that's how it could start. If, <laughs> uh, you know what, though? I would, oh, I would definitely go. go. I would go to see it, regardless. I, I just don't think it's gonna happen. I just don't think we should ever let Andrew audition for it. No, um, because if wait, Andrew why? was on the soundtrack and it got put on iTunes, they would either have to remove or significantly decrease the preview segment on there to keep people's ears from bleeding. What was wrong oh. with that, though? Right? Oh. I, I mean, it set up the plot. Um. My voice was fine. I hit I hit all the notes. <laughs> My voice was fine. He's like one of the oh. contestants on American Idol. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> okay. You guys are kind of mean, but uh, all right, next voicemail. Hi, this is Emily from Chicago. Um, I was calling regarding the one four or one three four, the most recent uh, Muggle cast. Um, there was a comment made on the show about whether or not the RAB locket or Horcrux wanted Ron to stab it. And my opinion is, is that it's very much like the movie The Exorcist in regarding the fact that it was torturing Ron. And that was its primary goal. And when it used the bubble heads of Ron and uh, or Harry and Hermione, it was trying to torture him and prevent him from doing so. In other words, it was using things that would torture him and make him afraid to do it. In the film The Exorcist, um, 
that's exactly what the demon did to the girl Reagan as far as it made her uh, feel vulnerable and the people that were trying to get the demon out of her, like the priest, the demon used the voice of his mother who he felt he abandoned. And when he heard the mother's voice coming out of the demon, it made him stumble. So that's what I feel like Blockett did. It was trying to stall Ron. It wasn't wanting it to stab him. It was wanting it to stall so that it could torture him as long as possible. I think that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Nice little comparison. I love The Exorcist. <laughs> oh, good thing you made that comparison <laughs> last week. You would. Uh, no, I agree completely. Yeah. Torture. And next voice mail. Yeah, real quick question. This is Fred from Southern Cali. Uh, just wanted to ask, if there was portraits of all the old headmasters in Hogwarts, why wasn't there, like, portraits of the founding fathers? I think that would have been pretty cool to have them there. You have, you know, Gryffindor there. You can ask them all kinds of questions and whatnot. So, anyway, just curious why, you know, why she wouldn't do that. Right? Peace. Isn't that kind of weird that there aren't pictures? So we see, um, I don't think we've seen well, any. Maybe they just didn't have that kind of um, knowledge of the paintings at the time. Because yeah, that's what I was they, thinking. They just have like they yeah, have like statues magical. and stuff. That's probably what they did back then. Was just like um, s- statues of all the founding fathers and things. Wasn't the magic just as old as the the wizards? Yeah, well, the but magic I think, is just as old, but doesn't mean they necessarily had like knew, the given yeah. a handbook of all the things you you can do with magic. I mean, they had to eh, learn in, in time. Yeah, it's like, well, no, a perfect example is there's constantly experimental spells and stuff like that. They're constantly learning more and more things that they can do with their magical yeah. powers. And they were probably, they, they, they were on. also reigning during a time where, did they even have portraits back then? Even for muggles? Well, they said it, it was, was a, it was expensive. It was expensive. Yeah. Like 300, know, like, like it was like 300, the, the year 300 or something like that? I thought it was 1,000. No, been around for, it was 1,000 years a ago. 1,000 years so. ago, so the year 1,000. Well, okay, I rounded up a little bit. So. <laughs> okay, from three hundred to a thousand. Yeah, but it's a small rounding. You know, it's about the same. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have three hundred dollars off a thousand. We have the equal amount of money. Yeah, it probably wasn't even something they really thought of either. Yeah, it was. You know, I, I like like in our culture. You know, way back then, they didn't really have paintings or things. They made they made statues, like in like in Greek times. Yeah, and yeah. can you imagine how weird that'd be if you can animate a statue? Like, I know Dumbledore did it, but like, can you imagine like making a statue of yourself or having someone like make a statue of you and then like it being coming to life? How awkward would that be? Like, you know, a bunch of yeah, a bunch of Mikey like B yeah, that statues. Would freak me out. I'm Mikey B. I'm oh, Mikey B. Just all talking about. Yeah. It. They would just be I, so much. Fun. I have a hard enough time listening to myself, so like watching and listening. Watching and listening. statues are scary enough when they don't move. Yeah, I attest to that. It's time for Make the Music Connection. Matt, we're going to start with you. Hmm. I'm a new soul. I came to this strange world hoping I could learn about how to give and take. But since I New Soul, made popular by uh, Apple and their MacBook Pro ad. MacBook Air ad. A MacBook Air, sorry. Air. Um, Matt, I thought uh, you could probably come up with something good. New Soul. Soul who split souls. Oh, I got it. A montage of Voldemort creating his horcruxes. 
That's good. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. That, that's what all the little horcrux sucking. After, after, after they're created, they I'm dance around soul. in a little... Ah, little... That'd be amazing. That's awesome, actually. That's really incredible. Um, all right. Good, 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 good job. Oh, thank, thank, uh, thank, thank, thanks. Um, Laura, your turn. Peace. Oh, boy. <laughs> Big Girls Don't Cry by uh, Fergie. Stacy Ferguson. Wow. This is a challenge song. Yeah, I, yeah. I way, way to pick an artist I don't listen to. Uh, I guess well, I just come up with an idea based off the title. Yeah, Big Girls I mean, Don't Cry. I guess I would just have to like come up with the idea of Jenny not being all uh, all sappy about Harry leaving. Okay, that's good. Okay. I like it. A little video montage. I like it. Can I be next? Sure, Eric. <laughs> sure, Eric. We pat his little head. <laughs> um, all right. Hmm. One of you guys are going to get a challenge song, but Eric, I'll stick you with this one. Apologize by uh, Timbaland. Uh, I heard that song playing when uh, the tension was brewing in this past few chapters between Hermione and Ron when Ron got back. <laughs> she wants him to apologize. <laughs> I like that. He won't, at, he won't do it. He, he's trying to suck up, trying to be funny, trying to make her laugh and stuff, but all she wants from him is apologize. Wow. I like it. I like it. Um, lastly, Mikey, this is a challenge song. Chances are you haven't heard of this. Uh, I'll just give you a, a, a clue first. It's, it's by Ashley Simpson. All right. So, but I thought the title, I, I thought, I thought you could make it easily make a connection out of this. Out of my head by Ashley my friend Simpson. Did this music video. Um, <laughs> so, of, course. So of course, I've seen this song and heard it way too many times. So I'll him cut it. Uh, out of my head. Um, wow! Now I'm drawing a blank on this one. Who, who does this remind me of? Crazy. This reminds me of Bellatrix. In general, just like crazy, which you know, the hair and everything. Yeah. Like I'm trying, I'm thinking, like trying to remember, like what would specifically make me think of her. But just, just Bellatrix, like there's the stuff she does. She's like, you know, she's fanatical, and being out of your head kind of makes me think of being almost fanatical and insane and crazy. Kind of like how we almost are fanatical about the Harry Potter series. But uh, mm-hmm. I was gonna say when, um, when you know Voldemort's always getting into his mind, yeah, or when Snape or when, trying Vold- to get into his when mind. Voldemort was. <laughs> Professor Quirrell's head. This song starts playing. Like, <laughs> so yeah, brutal. I guess. I, mm-hmm. I just don't know. I don't see it with. I, I I can see where you're coming from with that, but I, it just like the mood of the song just does not fit that. You know well, I mean? yeah. I always go. I don't care for the mood. I always just go for what would be the funniest. Was really well, because see, like I'm saying, I don't know if you've seen the video, and so right away because I've I didn't really work on this video. I had friends who worked on it. The video Ashley Simpson's like in a straight coat, like doing some crazy like 
jittery dancing thing. And right away, like when I thought of that, I thought of Bellatrix Lestrange because she's pretty uh, okay. creepy and out of it in general. You know. So that, that's where I came from, and I apologize. It probably wasn't that good of a connection. No, it's fine. No, it's all right, Mikey. All right, and Matt, you got one for me? Well, I mean, this could be played in any scene where... All right, how about this? Goblet of Fire. Ugh, Harry's, okay. Harry's dueling it up with uh, Voldemort. Their wands meet. And all of a sudden, everything goes into slow motion, and this song starts playing. Lights go yeah. out, and I can't be... I don't know I how guess, it is exactly. Yeah. I, was, yeah. I, I was thinking, like, like the time-turner in Prisoner of Azkaban. You see, I was thinking that, too. And there's also a scene in the seventh book, you know, like, when uh, Harry it, it sees Dumbledore, like... In the in the train station, and they talk. That right there, I can also see it too, because it's like the intro is like that. It's kind of like rising back up. I like that. Yeah. That's- well, okay. I'm I'm sorry. I, I I thought I had a good one. No, it was good. Oh. It was good. We're just saying uh, Andrew wasn't good at responding to it, Matt. Oh, okay. You, you Matt, you're awesome. Andrew, on the other hand, forget you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, just say right, and- again. Lovers. All right, that does it for Make the Music Connection this week. Uh, we'll start taking some requests. I mean, the people have been emailing them in, but if, if you have an idea for a future Make the Connection song to use, send it in to MuggleCast at staff.mugglenet.com with Make the Music Connection in, in the headline. All right, let's wrap things up. Oh, crap. All right, let's wrap. <laughs> I clicked the wrong thing. Accidental uh, outburst of music. All right, let's uh, wrap things up today. All right, let's wrap things up. Chicken soup for your soul. Hello all! I discovered MuggleCast when I was very pregnant with my third child. I'd been an avid Harry, Harry Potter fan for years, but didn't know many others. Of course, I knew plenty of people that had read the books, but most of the people I knew were not true fans that could talk theories and have debates for hours. This is where you all came in. Anyway, a few months after finding your show, I had a beautiful baby boy. I was thrilled, overjoyed, happy beyond all belief, and 25 pounds overweight! Now, MuggleCast has a new role in my life. Every day, I would strap my baby into a stroller, put my headphones on, and hit the pavement. I walked for hours, catching up on old episodes. Sometimes I would walk right past my house, just so I could hear the end of whatever you were all debating. As the weather got colder, I hit the gym. I got lots of strange strange looks when I laugh out loud at some, something one of you said. Listening to you guys talk about the books that I've loved for a long time was a fabulous motivation. I only allowed myself to listen while exercising. Needless to say, the pounce came off in no time at all. I still listen to all of your episodes while working out, and I still crack up. So thank you, MuggleCast. You helped me lose my baby weight while being entertained and educated at the same time. From Amy W. 30, age 30-something of Boston. Aww. Amy Winehouse. Story. Amy Winehouse, no. Oh. Far from it. Uh... But yeah, thank you, Amy, very much. That that's great. Yeah, <laughs> that's that was funny. Yeah. Walk past her house. And Amy, uh, just another thing, we might be uh, showing up in Boston sometime soon. We'd love to see you and your kids. Working on it, working on it. I, yeah, we would love to meet you. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. I want to see your kid too. Kids. Uh. <laughs> that's so creepy. We'll, we'll sign their little T-shirts. You know. Yeah, the little sneakers. Oh, awesome. Have you seen little baby kids. sneakers? They're so tiny. They're awesome. It is time to wrap up this show today. We want to remind everyone about our contact information. So, Laura, if someone wants to mail some parcel mail, where do they do that? 
That's P.O. Box 3151, Cumming, Georgia, 30028. If you want to be featured on the show in the form of a voicemail, you can call in your question or comments. If you're in the United States, you can dial one two one eight twenty magic And if you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-8144-0677. If you're in Australia, you can dial 02-8003-5668. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast. No matter how you call us, just remember to keep your message under 60 seconds and eliminate as much background noise as possible, please. You can also contact us using the handy feedback form on MuggleCast.com, or you can also just email us using... Our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. Andrew, that could really get out of hand. Also visit the MuggleCast website for a numerous amount of community outlets, including the MySpace, Facebook, YouTube, Frapper, Last.fm, and the ever-growing fan listing and forums. You can also dig the show at dig.com and vote for us, please, at Podcast Alley. It's MuggleCast March. We have to win. M for MuggleCast, M for March. We got to win, guys. Come on. It's fate. I mean, it has to. There's only one month. It is fate. Oh, no, two. <laughs> it's fake. <laughs> only, yes. only one. I mean, two. Or yeah. That does it for this week's episode of MuggleCast. Apologies to J.K. Rowling, but we are out of time. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Mikey B. And I'm Matthew Britton. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week for episode 136. Bye bye. Word. Bye bye. Speaking of speaking of that saying, Andrew, betting men. I, I've been looking at the titles of the past few Muggle casts. I think we're slacking, dude. They don't Why? seem as like upbeat and awesome as they have been like in the I past. Like I them. think we need to work on getting cooler titles for our Muggle casts. Okay, coolest title ever for Muggle Mugglecast. I don't want to insult you, but um, going into announcements now, though. Hang on a second, Andrew. We what? just have one suggestion here. Magically delicious. Do you know what that's all about? Oh, God. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't the... fuel the fire. Uh, <laughs> what? Sorry. You say one little thing that's like, oh, I don't mind, and then suddenly it explodes, and it's just... Mm. It's just wet and sticky and all over your face. Ew, yeah. okay. What? Well, my position out. Oh, God. Eric! You said it, Laura. No! On a more serious you note... Said... <laughs> That is kind of mean. Um, so we're not doing <laughs> Anyways, voicemails that, this week, right? What? We're not doing voicemails, or are we? No, we are. Oh, we are. How many? How many are there? There's a, oh, come on, they're good. But how? We're only, we're only an hour and nineteen minutes in, guys. That's and I, it took us four minutes to start the I, show. I, I know, but how many voicemails are there? There, uh, well, there's seven, but we'll get through. Them <laughs> well, there's Actually, seven. seven. <laughs> there's six, but they're not. They're not huge discussions. A couple of them are just comments. Keep going, please. Just hurry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lost to starting in four hours. Dude, no, starting like in 12, 12 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Oh, three. Sorry. <laughs>